You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Okay, folks, it's time for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello, and they're on the air with us. Good morning, gentlemen, and we're just going to play this by ear because... We had it all worked out, and uh, I I can only adjust what's on my end. I can't adjust what's on your all's end or your phone or when you call in. So uh, anyway, we'll go with it. So with that being said, gentlemen, it's all yours. Well, good morning. Nice to be here. So, hey, good Richard. <laughs> You know, a lot of people don't know. I mean, a lot of people know that you're in Virginia. I'm in Tennessee. But our engineer who runs this whole show is outside of Atlanta. And, you know, sometimes the strings that connect our cans, they disconnect. So uh, that's what happened this morning. Occasionally, as a disconnection of string, occasionally conspiracies of Georgia power, but, uh, and, yes. and so on and so forth. But we got the dog barking. And dogs barking. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at, least we're, at least we're dog people, you know? <laughs> All, I, I've right. never met a dog person that's a bad person. Everybody I've ever met that the dog person's a good person. The, uh... That's right. I know it. Dogs. (laughs) That's true. You had quite a few dogs. We've got uh, there's three here. So uh, and they're all they range from uh, probably about fifty pounds to a hundred and fifty six (laughs) pounds. Wow, that's a big dog. Yeah, they kind of run the gamut. They one of them would probably make up uh, what four years. Yeah, probably. I got Maybe. three miniature dachshunds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like twelve well, pounds each. <laughs> well, you know, you figure since I'm up here in the mountains, you know, we need a Pyrenean mountain dog. So, you know, that's what we're we we're into the, the the Pyrenees. So, uh, but anyhow, I've got my uh, frosty Dr Pepper in hand, and uh, first of all, I think. Uh, and I know you agree. I, I want to thank everybody. You know, I want to thank everybody that listens to us, everybody that puts up with us, puts up with all of our human and uh, mechanical and technological frailties um, as we experienced this morning and as we've experienced when Georgia Power decided you didn't need to hear from us. Um, but we really appreciate the fact that everybody has been listening, that the show has been doing exceedingly well, and that's thanks to all of you that are uh, so patient and listening everything that we had to say especially richard i mean it takes patience to listen to this guy you know <laughs> why you, you didn't like my story about the mini cows last week or the snake in my yard <laughs> i mean come on <laughs> the mini cows i thought you'd gotten a bad sausage biscuit or something on the on the way over to west virginia <laughs> mini uh, <laughs> so we just thanks everybody for listening we appreciate it um, I know that uh, what are we going to talk about this week regarding cars yeah so well we've got a couple of events coming up we've got 
AACA Car Mania, which is coming up on July 24th, is a first-time event. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome to attend whatever type of vehicle you have. As long as you love that vehicle, you show up for Car Mania in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's going to be located right behind the AACA Library and Research Center headquarters and on the Hershey Showfield. Uh, Hershey uh, Entertainment has graciously agreed to allow uh, AACA to use that entire show field right behind the headquarters um, on, the, on the 24th. It's going to be a lot of fun. Bring any type of car you want. Um, there, you know, no specific ACA restrictions on that day. So, you know, whatever excites you, you get it out there. Um, you know, our uh, fearless leader, Stephen L. Moskowitz, will be on hand there with uh, Wayne Carini and uh, Chris Ritter, our fearless head librarian, uh, is going to be there giving uh, special programs um, in the library uh, during that time and there's going to be food fun uh, maybe some music but not too loud um, it's going to be a good time so car mania hershey pa at the aaca headquarters on july 24th don't don't miss it and you know what i'll be next friday july 8th uh-oh i will Hard be to tell. i will be in murphy i'll be in murfreesboro tennessee just southeast of Nashville. The Oldsmobile Club of America is holding their national meet. And Friday, July 8th, is going to be the all-day car show in Concord, filled with several hundred Oldsmobiles. So I'm going to be there looking for interesting stories to feature in future issues of Crankshaft Magazine. I mean, you know, I grew up in an Oldsmobile family, so uh, it, it's always exciting and and entertaining to attend an Oldsmobile National Meet because you see models of Oldsmobiles that you never see anywhere else. So, uh, yeah, if anybody's in the area next Friday, Murfreesboro, uh, Tennessee, just go to the Oldsmobile Club of America, their website, and you could download all the details of where it is. No, I, you know, gotta love Oldsmobiles. Um, I had a 66 Delta 88 convertible and uh, the car I currently have have in the driving slot, uh, right out here in the garage, just a few feet from where I'm at right now, is uh, my uh, 59 Olds uh, Dynamic 88 two-door post car. Um, and I, I love that car. I, you know, the 59 Olds, uh, I, you know, a lot of people don't like the front end. Um, I like it. I like the rear end styling on it too, with that sort of a jet thrust uh, look to yep. it. But uh, Oldsmobile built some great stuff, um, so yeah, you're going to have a good time. Um, so you're going to the Oldsmobile meet, which if I were a little closer, I'd be there too for sure. I'd drive the '59, but uh, so July 26 through 31, I'm going to be headed to Kenosha, Wisconsin. The home oh. of Nash and American You're Motors. You're going, huh? 
I am going. Uh, be there or be square, but I am going to go to the Kenosha Homecoming. It only comes every three years, the Kenosha Homecoming, and uh, they have a great show down there on the lakefront. It's an amazing display of uh, AMC, Nash, Mitchell, and other cars that were uh, part of that whole family. Uh, Hudson's that were built in Kenosha from 55 to 57, um, all welcome down there. You always run into uh, still a lot of people that work for AMC. It's a lot of fun. Um, there are some of the AMC original designers. Uh, they're, they're still around, still active, and uh, there'll be some of those folks there as well. So it's going to be a great time. I, I love going out there. It's just such a great setting for the show. Usually have between five and seven hundred cars out there so it's, it's a great show not one to be missed yeah always wanted to attend but uh can't make it this year but hopefully in three years time yeah, yeah i hear that you know incredible selection of amc's correctly restored modified all types that's the place to be so enjoy your time there without a doubt Oh, yeah. I mean, everything from, you know, Wally Booth's cars, uh, the, you know, the drag cars and so forth, um, you name it, um, prototype cars. It's just cool. It's way incredible. Even Nash school buses. And most people didn't realize that Nash built a school bus, but they had buses as well. (laughs) Will you be bringing your five Italias to the meet? Five Italians. Yeah, I, you know, would um, be great to have an Italia. It would be great to have have a have a Hudson Italia. I uh, yes. So, quick story. Okay, we didn't plan on this, folks. Just like most of what we talk about, but you know, about twenty two years ago. Uh, I won't say where, but I was in a particular area of the country, and a fellow had advertised a Nash wrecker for sale, and uh, 1948 through 55, Nash actually built a, a heavy, uh, heavy truck, and they made that available to their dealers with an Ashton wrecker bed, um, if they should so desire, but the they were mainly for export. Um, they weren't sold in the domestic market here, but the dealers had these records. So anyway, I went to go see this wrecker, and I'm uh, talking to the guy, and he had some Nash Healy's, he had some other cars, and he had a Hudson Italia. It was in a, in a garage, and it had a bunch of wow. stuff stacked all over the top of it. Now, he wouldn't sell it for love nor money, but uh, there it sat, and I, I have no idea. It may well still be there in that garage, um, covered up with stuff. Oh. Yeah, that's, you know, know. built body built by Carrozzeria Touring from Milan, Italy. And they only made a handful of them. And, boy, that is a striking automobile with some very unique styling cues. So, uh, yeah, too bad you couldn't score that. Yeah, not not a... Not a performance king, but, uh, you know, I like it no. when you say Carrozzeria. You know, you do a much better job of saying that than I do. Well, you know, it's a, the it's a Sicilian heritage. I'm not from the Blue Hills of uh, wherever the hell you are, West Virginia, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you sort of so, boys how to speak Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for God's sake. You've been down in 
in Tennessee for uh, you know a couple months now, and you're going to change change everything down here, right? Ay ay ay. The uh, so uh, one more event to mention here, and that is going to be uh, Central Fall Nationals in Moline, Illinois, AACA, August 11th through 13th. And then everybody knows about the Hershey Fall Meet, and uh, that's going to be this year. It's going to be October 4th through 7th. Please make note, um, because of leasing changes and that sort of thing and the use of the property there at uh, Hershey Park, we are going to be there from Tuesday through Friday. The big car show, the Saturday car show that's normally on Saturday, is going to be Friday. So all of the flea market, car corral, everything is going to start on Tuesday, culminating with the show Friday. So, you know, don't show up on Saturday as we have for the last 50 years and expect to see anything because we're not going to be there. Okay, gentlemen, I'm going to butt in and say this is time for a break. Attending. Yes. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back in just a moment with Tom and Richard right after Uh, a break. I call it the world's largest family reunion because it truly is. Okay, Um, gentlemen, you ready for a break? Oh, just a little sidebar here. I've noticed that uh, the sheets, uh, which I don't remember if you have sheets out there in Nashville or not, or not Nashville, but uh, Knoxville. But, no, uh, no sheets uh, car magazines. You know. Are you tired of reading about mega dollar? Yeah, sheets is advertising three ninety nine a gallon. Stories that don't um, interest you. Don't put that. And crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a one hundred forty four page soft cover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories. The type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction, including sports cars, and, muscle cars, uh, and regular know, family sedans too. To, to discover what many know, car enthusiasts are like saying year, is the best car magazine ever published, you can other, purchase either uh, a single copy for twelve five, and ninety-five like cents plus three dollars postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues for fifty-nine dollars and ninety-five cents. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Okay, yep. uh, uh, we're back on Silverado on the show with. You know, uh, I put e, I've run eighty. I ran e eighty five in that, but you know, the gas mileage is significantly less with the e eighty five too. So may not be the big deal everybody thinks it is. Just to say. So speaking of about, yes, there you go. Okay, yeah, gentlemen, uh, chemicals. We we're back chemicals. from the break. Without them, we can't work on our cars. And now, back to the classic car show on America's all these nut jobs out there who uh, want to stop petroleum, uh, when you think about it. Without petroleum, we can't have chemicals to paint cars, cars or, you know, clean carburetors and all kinds of stuff. So uh, you got to have a well-stocked array of chemicals in your garage. And what I have is a giant uh, fireproof link uh, uh, cabinet with a fusible link. So if it's open and there's a fire, it automatically closes. And, you know, you got to protect your surroundings. So if you're going to have chemicals in your garage, and we all do, 
you got to put them in a uh, fireproof cabinet, folks. It's very important. Spend the money. It's worth it. No, having solvents hanging out on wooden shelves is just a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, I, there are a lot of the, the typical uh, garage chemicals, um, you know, lubricants, penetrants, greases, you know, liquid wrench, PB blaster, aerocroil, and all, all of those. Um, but, you know, there's some really great specialty um, items, chemicals to use out in the garage. And, uh, you know, like CRC may, manufactures a product called Freeze Off. I don't, have you ever used it? No, never have. I've okay. heard of it by a lot of people. Yeah. Right. It it's works works really well in a lot of great applica- a lot of applications. It's uh, not just a, a, a penetrating lubricant to free up rusty parts, you know, loosen up fasteners, but it actually freezes fastener as well. You know, like the bolt, it it creates a contraction um, of the bolt. And, you know, it's got the penetrating lubricant as well. So, you know, everything is contracting and expanding, and the penetrating oil is getting in there too as well. And uh, it just works to help free the stuff up. It's just one more little thing, that temperature change, that helps to break up the uh, rust and corrosion that's preventing those fasteners from coming loose. So it's one more opportunity. Um, I've, I've... nut and bolt up and then hit it with this stuff and bam comes right off so it, it works really well um there's also a couple of others you know you've got uh crc uh makes an electrical cleaner and you know not so much necessarily for you know the older older cars but you know once you get into the 90s there's a lot there are a lot more electrical plugs, although you've got some, you know, on, on the older cars, too, um, you know, where you're plugged into your um, fuse fuse box, et cetera, et cetera, and other, other areas. But it does a wonderful job of cleaning the corrosion and gunk that these uh, connectors under the hood um, end up with over the years uh, being exposed to the elements and so that. CRC QD electrical cleaner works great. They also make a uh, CRC uh, contact cleaner, um, which is great for cleaning any type of electrical contacts, um, you know, points, whatever, any type of bimetal contact. It does a great job of cleaning it up. Um, couple of other things that I keep around. I keep in a, a battery cleaner. Um, I use the CRC battery cleaner, but it also it does two things. It actually has a color indicator when you spray it so that it turns uh, yellow or red, turns red to let you know that there is acid present, but it also neutralizes that acid as well. So it's pretty helpful. You spray it in and around the uh, battery and the battery tray neutralizes, not only neutralizes the acid, 
but it lets you know that there's some acid there and sometimes you'll find that somehow acid finds its way to nearby area surface areas uh, this stuff does not create a problem you can spray it in there and then just rinse it off but it works great wow you got a lot of high-end chemicals let me tell you what my favorite chemical is it's called Uh-oh. awesome I get it at the dollar store for a dollar. One dollar. Oh, L.A. is totally awesome. That's good cleaner. Yeah. That's incredible cleaner. Oh, my God. It's like the best cleaner there is. It degreases. It cleans. And you get it for like a dollar. Two dollars for a gallon. Awesome. You can't beat it. It's fantastic. You know, I always keep a gallon of it in my garage. And under the kitchen sink, you got to have awesome. Yeah. Great stuff. Really yeah. is. LA is totally awesome. I've got a gallon of it um, under the kitchen sink. Actually, it works exceptionally well. Um, I mean, on carpet stains too. You'll want to test just to make sure you know it doesn't like right. eat your carpet or something or take the color out. But uh, you know, I had some rust stains in uh, automotive carpet. Um, I could not get them out, and I used that stuff on them. It actually took them out. So, yeah, um, great good stuff. stuff. In fact, and you know what else I use? I had my uh, cabinet open the other day. My wife walked in the garage and she goes, what are you doing with two boxes of Brillo pads? I said, what are you kidding? I love Brillo pads. You know, <laughs> it, it's the steel wool impregnated with a soapy substance. They've been around for like 100 years. And when you have, you know, certain metal parts, that you don't worry about if it's going to be scratched by the steel wool. Before you put them in the bead glass cabinet, you want to remove as much caked on grease as possible. So, you know, a little bucket with warm water and Brillo pads, and bada bang, they come out fantastic. They look brand new. So, always keep a box of Brillo pads in your garage. I even use it to clean upholstery because it gets inside the grooves of the vinyl, or the, well, not leather, but inside the grooves of the vinyl. And man, it's like magic. I just love Brillo pads. Always got a box on yeah. hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 uh, I always uh, use old old toothbrushes, but I, you know, I've, I've, now I do use yeah. Brillo pads. Like you said, it cl- gives stuff a pre-clean before you put them in the pla- put it in the blast right. cabinet. Um, I use it. You know, you'd be surprised. You know, chrome is very very hard. Um, a very hard metal, so you can actually use the Brillo pads. If you get a car, you know, which I picked up a project car or something like that, brought it in here, and uh, you know, I'll use a soapy Brillo pad to uh, knock the original, you know, initial rust and so forth off of it, and then maybe go back after that with uh, Neverdull or something like that, another chrome cleaner. Yeah, but uh, Neverdull is great. It is good stuff. It works wonderful. Uh, a little blue can. You know, got to have nevertheless. Yes. Yeah. You know, and of course, un- unfortunately, as time goes by, uh, certain chemicals are being taken off the market because they, you know, cause us to grow an extra eye or something. But, uh, you know, there, there's another product that used to be made. Now, for those people that are into brass era cars, there was something called Tarnite. And amazing stuff. Um, it just does... I, don't know everything that's in it, and I'm sure it's not good for me. But man, if you ever find tarnite at like a yard sale or somewhere, buy it. 
because it does the best job on any type of copper or brass, anything like that. It does an awesome job. Um, well, probably good, deadly, good but, but really effective, you know, deadly but effective. Um, dielectric grease, um, which yeah, is a, that's a must. Yes. Silicone-based grease, yeah. Um, you put it on all the electrical it for, connectors, and it wards off moisture, and it keeps the connection conductivity at its maximum. So, uh, yeah, dielectric grease, got to use it. Yeah, yeah, dielectric grease is a great thing, you know, and you'll see it on the counters at your auto parts store, you know, it's like bulb socket lubricant or something like that. It's just dielectric grease. Uh, for what you pay for the little packets that you use for your bulb sockets, you can probably almost buy a whole can of it. Um, they'll have it over yep. there on the shelf. Uh, you know, also, CRT, another product, you know, if you rebuild your own starters, you know, and, and generators and such, you know, and a lot of us do, uh, it sounds like we're coming up on a break, maybe. Uh, I haven't heard. Boy, Go ahead, gentlemen. Today, what's going on? Go ahead, gentlemen, with what you're talking about. I know. Huh. Gentlemen, go ahead with what you're talking about. We're not going to take a break right now. Yes. Huh. Well, we might as well go ahead and keep on going. Oh, so, one phone. Okay. Might as well. I, I really couldn't. Yes, go ahead and go well, ahead with what you're doing. It sounds like they're you running a commercial in the background, but we don't know. So we're going to keep on rocking. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, you know what else I use? I always have a can of uh, pipe cleaning or pipe lubricant. It's a paste. And when you put certain fasteners together, you want to put a dab on the thread uh, to ward off you know, future corrosion, and you make sure you can take that fastener apart in the future, or the next owners can. You know, you don't want to use it in the exhaust manifolds, but uh, you know, uh, a little dab of lubricant the lubricant paste on threads of various fasteners, even suspension bolts and brake components, uh, makes a big difference in getting those parts taken apart in the future. Because, you know, let's face it, you know, suspension bolts are, you know, blasted with you know, all kinds of uh, debris and water and salt on the road, and they freeze up. So you want to definitely... Uh, take care of lubricating your fasteners before you put everything together. No, I I agree with you. Um, I, I do that on just about everything. I put a, a light coating of a uh, quality grease on just about all the fasteners. I put a light coating even on, even when I put my uh, spark plugs in. I take and put a yes. light coating on, on, the, on the threads just simply so that, you know, yeah, if you happen to... Oh, have had a car where somebody's over tightened the plugs yeah. you know you wait a couple of years you go back in you get ready to pull it loose and it'll you know I've pulled threads out just you know taking them back out and it's just simply because somebody gave it too much English when they were putting them in the first time um, and so you can help avoid that by putting a little bit of grease on there um, you know, a couple of other things to talk about it. You know, everybody I know talks about seafoam. Everybody uses seafoam. 
and uh, of course seafoam absorbs water um, you know if you use it in diesel engine it's in diesel it's an anti-gel and uh, it's got cleaners and lubricants in it as well you know to run run through your engine uh, some people I'm not one that is a fan of running any type of high detergent through an old engine because it tends to you know loosen up all that crud and put it into suspension where it can go through your bearings and your oil pump and everything else but uh, some people use it as a uh, as a cleaner they add a little bit to their oil and then change it in a thousand miles that sort of stuff but what so many people seem to use it for and other things like marbles mystery oil and other they feel like if they have a car and it has old fuel in it and of course we all know that you know the ethanol and oxygenated fuels today they have a very short shelf life they go bad quickly and so the, after six months it's already starting to deteriorate or before once that car sits a year two years you know you're really starting to end up with you know a lot of deterioration in the fuel and a lot of folks say oh well i'll just throw a can of seafoam in or i'll dump some uh marvel's mystery oil in there that's going to take care of the problem i'll just burn off and drive off all this old fuel that's a no no a huge mistake if you've got old fuel you need to drain it you need to get rid of it take it out um right take it out because if you don't it'll stick your valves it's going to cause your rings to stick it's just going to gum up the inner workings of your engine i've seen it happen a guy that i knew uh we were talking about kenosha guy had a rambler been sitting for three or four years and the fuel had gone bad bad to the point where you could smell it and uh he decided well he's going to throw some seafoam in and just drive it until he could top it back off with fresh fuel ended up uh with the rings were just stuck on that thing the only internals all the internals on that engine were just uh stuck and gummed up how do i know i'm the one that ended up pulling it apart for him uh, it was terrible just because he he thought he could use seafoam and burn off all that old fuel so let me let me ask you uh what do you country boys do with the old fuel and oil that you take out of your cars? What What do you country boys do with it? How do you dispose of it? Well, uh, well, actually, I'm I'm pretty responsible with my stuff. Um, you know, I, I I'm a I take after my mother when it comes to being an animal lover. Of course, my my dad was too, but uh, you know, I try to make sure you know I, where I live out up here, out in the middle of nowhere. There's all these little animals everywhere, so I am kind of kind of careful what I do. Um, typically, I would um, we have disposal days where you know you can take certain chemicals in and uh, dispose of them at no charge. You'll want to do that too because if you call up. Uh, one of these companies that specializes in uh, disposing of uh, chemicals and things of that nature, they'll charge you an absolute fortune just to dispose of a gallon of gas. And that's kind of unfortunate. I think the localities and uh, the state, etc., need to do a better job. But they do have days 
in certain areas where you can dispose of this stuff. Now, the other part of it is, you know, we're still allowed to burn up here um, out in the rural areas, and uh, particularly when I've got something, you know, some old fuel or uh, even some old oil, I will use it to um, aid in the burning, but uh, but I don't pour it out anywhere. <laughs> well, you know what those city boys used to do? Oh, gosh, I can't imagine. Well, there's sewers all over the city. You used to pour aye, everything aye, down aye. The oh, <laughs> Now, I'm God. not saying you should, but that's what people <laughs> used to do years ago. When you had to change your oil, if you, if you lived on the 20th floor of an apartment building, you know, you don't have a garage to work on. So you just pulled your car over the sewer, you opened up the drain plug, and ka-bang, it's gone. Where it goes, it ends up in the ocean eventually. And there, there was so Aye. much oil in, in the sewers of New York City because so many, thousands and thousands of people did that for years. So, yes, it's wrong. we got to protect the environment. But, you know, that's what used to be done years ago. And, it, and it's a shame that it did happen. And, uh, yeah, I did it. What are you going to do? Well, they caught on fire, too. Some of the, the sewers would occasionally catch on fire from that stuff, too, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, and it would kill the alligators because everybody who vacationed in Florida would come back to New York and bring their grandchildren a tiny little alligator. So before you know it, six weeks later, the alligator's two feet long, you threw it in the sewer. So they put one oh, alligator God. in the sewer in New York City. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we, we, we didn't worry about that here. So, another really great product that I like using too, particularly, you know, I use it on uh, my collector cars. I use it on the chainsaws. Used to use it on outboards before I decided that boats were just a big uh, black hole to pour money into. But uh, and that's fogging oil. If you're going to be storing uh, your engine for a long period of time, yes. or particularly if you've got <clears throat> an engine that you've rebuilt and you know you're not going to be putting it in right away, you know you need to make sure that the internal working parts of that engine are, are coated. Um, and people use a variety of things to make sure that you know variety of lubricants to make sure that you don't have any corrosion. Um, but fogging oil is great stuff when you go to store your collector car um, or your lawnmower or your chainsaw or whatever it might be. Um, you know, you shut the fuel off. You're running the rest of the fuel out of the bowl of the carburetor, and you start spraying this down through the throat of the carburetor as it's running and it coats everything. Coats the internal, you know, the inside of the carb, coats the inside of the engine, doesn't cause any damage. It's great stuff. Keeps condensation from causing corrosion. So I, I'm a big fan yeah. of fogging oil. I use fogging oil in all my spare engines. Every time I had bought an engine, I knew it wasn't going to do anything with it, but I wanted it stick it in the corner garage and you take out the plugs, you squirt in the fogging oil and then, you know, a couple of years down the line when you finally get to it, you know that uh, the piston rings aren't stuck. So, and you give it a few rotations of the crankshaft to 
can get that oil, you know, and the fog and oil, you know, uh, dispersed throughout the cylinder walls. So, uh, yeah, good point. Very good. Uh, it's good, good stuff. Um, there's something else that I use too. Um, you know, anything on, particularly on on the underside of the car. Um, or in an area under the hood, you know, it depends on whether it's a daily driver or whether it's a show car. I don't use it on, on show car, but, uh, other cars I, you know, that I just drive and that's what I like to do mostly and that's what I have the most of is just driver cars because that's what I feel makes me happy and that's driving. Um, I do show too, but anyway, uh, fluid film, um, uh, it's a lanolin based, um, coating, you spray it on, and uh, it will prevent rust for months and months. Um, it's great stuff. Um, so you spray you know, it on. You I have, never heard of it. Uh, you can spray it. I've sprayed it on metal. I've sprayed it on fasteners. I've sprayed it on uh, clamps. I've sprayed it on any number of things. And what is it called? Um, and what, what's it called? called flu fluid film fluid, fluid film. film yeah fluid film and it comes it. comes in a can it's lanolin based there are other other similar lanolin and wool oil based um sprays uh, apparently sheep's wool uh has an oil in it as a byproduct of its uh processing and uh that's supposedly when it's mixed with lanolin, it's almost uh, indestructible. But it's it's great stuff. Um, oh, Can you get one it more at the dollar store for a buck? No, the fluid film it costs you probably about six to nine dollars a can, something oh. like that. Oh, um, you're killing me! You know, That's a lot of money. Yeah, I know. No more trips to the dollar store for fluid film. Uh, uh, well, if it's but, worth uh, it, it's worth it. You know. Yep. Uh, it's good. It's great stuff. Um, if you want to protect something from rusting, and I, I use it all all over the place up here. Um, I use it on uh, you know barn door hinges. You name it. Um, it's just great stuff. Which it takes me to another thing. We're talking about chemicals in the garage. WD forty. You know, I have friends. That's all they have in their garage. It's WD-40. Oh, no. They use WD-40 on everything. And it's good stuff, but it's only for certain things. Exactly. And it's not a lubricant, folks. It's not a lubricant. It is. It is not. It's, yeah. a, it's a hydrophobic. It displaces water. And that's what the WD right. stands for, water displacement. Right. Um, and yes. it was originally developed for the uh, defense industry. Um, yeah, and they got keep, it right uh, on the body of Right. And, uh, you know, it's not a lubricant. I know people, oh, no, I use that for everything. It's great lubricant. And everything. No, it is not a great lubricant. It's great for displacing water. You know, you get some water up on your distributor, spray a little WD-40 on there, you know, it'll displace the water. Um, but it's not the best lubricant. Um, you know, you need a penetrating oil. If you're going to be freeing up uh, stuck fasteners and WD-40, it's not going to do it for you. And you know another um, important thing with all these chemicals, besides having a fire extinguisher in your garage, is that you know when you use chemicals, you're using rags to wipe up 
the chemicals, whatever, wherever it is. And what do you do with those rags that are soaked with these chemicals? Well, I have a, uh, a stainless steel garbage can that I use, and I put them in there. So in case, you know, uh, the temperature rises and all of a sudden you have instant combustion, uh, it's contained inside the steel, stainless steel garbage can. So you don't want to leave chemical soaked rags laying about your garage. And if you don't have a stainless steel can or a steel can to put them in, uh, you know, douse them with water. So uh, just put added protection. You don't want to, you know, cause any fires. No, and make sure you have a lid. Make sure you always have a lid on it. Um, you know, yes, you can go to uh, you can go to the cheap Chinese tool store and you can buy a rag can that has a little foot pedal on it. And you just yeah, put your foot down on it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. And uh, it, 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 they work great. Um, another thing we that comes up from time to time, uh, brake cleaners. You know, any of us that do our own work do definitely do our, our own brake work. And there's chlorinated brake cleaner and there's non-chlorinated brake cleaner. And so what's the difference? Well, in certain areas of the country, Chlorinated brake cleaner is no longer uh, compliant with the uh, health authorities in those states because of various chemicals that are in there. Um, and essentially, chlorinated brake fluid, I mean brake fluid, chlorinated brake cleaner has dry cleaning fluid in it. So the old style cleaning fluid that was used by dry cleaners and other places um, has been largely pulled back off the market, but you can still get chlorinated brake cleaner. The, the non-chlorinated does not have that stuff in there. And I'll just say, for me, I'll put the gloves on and use the chlorinated brake cleaner all day long because the non-chlorinated stuff just doesn't work well. And you know something? You just brought up a good point. Gloves. I keep a box of 100 uh, latex gloves and neoprene gloves because they're two different types. You, you know, you want to protect your hands when you're using chemicals. And if, you, and if you're splashing about, always wear eye goggles to protect your eyes. So uh, that's important. So you want to protect your hands and your eyes and all that jazz. Absolutely. I, I know when, um, you know, I sat through a seminar back when um, epoxy-type paints were coming out, um, or that after they'd been out for a while, I wasn't busy when it first, you know, involved when it first came out. But I went, happened to go to a seminar on paints, and we were talking about how, carcinog how carcinogenic isocyanates are. Oh, and the worst. Yeah. They're the worst, and they showed how quickly you could put just a drop of something on your skin, on your hands. It gets into your system and into your body within just a couple minutes. Yeah. It's like, boom, yeah. absorbed into the skin, into your bloodstream, and then, of course, ends up in your liver. Yeah. Right. Awful, awful stuff. So you got to be careful. So you, yep, I agree. You really do need to be careful. Yeah. Um, it, as far as the uh, 
you know, other products. You know, I, I, you know, a general rule of thumb. <laughs> if it has the skull and crossbones on it, and it says that it's known to the state of California to be carcinogenic, it probably is one hell of a solvent. It works really, really well. Yeah, then you know it works well. If it doesn't have the skull and crossbones, don't buy it. <laughs> don't buy it. Instead, you might as well use soapy, soapy water because. It's not going to work. Okay, gentlemen, uh, let's take our next break. If you're with me. We're up on a break. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information or to receive a quote, Contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Well, right, we're Tom, back. So, what's the pick of the week? Tell us, Tom, what did you find in the hills of the Blue Ridge, Tennessee, wherever you are, Virginia? <laughs> what did you find for us? The uh, so, you know, I've always, of course, one of the first cars I ever uh, bought, or my first old car, was a '57 Chrysler. So, you can imagine that when a '57 DeSoto Fire Sweep sedan popped up for sale, I, I it got my interest. Um, I, I sent you some pictures. It's uh, yeah looks to be rust free because those cars they rusted really badly um, unfortunately um, Virgil Exner design vehicles there's huge tail fins on the back um, you know 57 being the first year too for um, dual headlights in most states um, some cars hadn't made the switch over but uh, good looking car 57, of course, the uh, fire sweep, which is what this is, came with the uh, Dodge Polysphere engines. And I 
Yeah, can't exactly what the cubic inches displacement was. It was around 320, somewhere in that range. Um, but, uh, of course, then the DeSotos for 57 also came with uh, 341 and 345 Hemi, which came in the Adventurer. So they had the Fire Sweep, the Fire Flight, the Fire Dome, and the Adventurer. Of course, the Adventurer is the hot one. Um, you know, with the uh, larger cubic inch displacement, 345 Hemi in it. But uh, this car looks pretty good. 12, it does? Grand. Well, I tell you, if I didn't lose so much money in the stock market, I would have bought that car. That is a great, great find. And, you know, front suspension is torsion bars, you know, so it rides yeah. fantastic. They handle well for their size. In fact, the Mopars of that of the late 50s, you know, with their torsion bars, I mean, they outhandled GM and Ford products. They really did. And I love GM cars, but... Uh, they rode and handled so much nicer. They really did. No, they were great cars. They looked great. The interiors, typically, particularly on the mid and upper line cars, were really outstanding with all the metallic thread. I mean, they just all had that space age look that everybody was into at the time. And they just executed it really, really well. So aesthetically, those cars were just awesome looking cars. Um, sadly, as I said, you know, in terms of uh, build quality, they were probably some of the worst build quality cars that Chrysler had ever built. And uh, they did tend to rust a bit too. And the interior materials tended to uh, dry wear. out and wear and so on and yeah. so forth. Um, Great-looking cars. No offense cars. to all you Chrysler. No, great-looking no. cars. And uh, at $12,000, that's a good deal on a car, and that's the asking price. So, you know, you can always... Yeah, I would offer it. Always... I would offer it in six grand. That's what I would do. Six but then grand. you work your way up. You never know. You work your way up. That's right. I was yeah, just about you know. to say, you beat, you beat me to it. I said, you know, you can go out there, you can channel it, mellow a little bit, get the price down, and uh, yeah, do it's your like, best, look, Richard. Pal, pal, look, six grand cash. You don't take it? How do you know someone else is going to come along and buy it? You're going to get stuck with it for the next 30 years. Your wife's going to get pissed off at you. You're going to end up getting divorced. It's going to cost you a fortune. Take the six grand and run with it. Okay, I'll give you seven, all right? <laughs> Improve your life. Take the money. <laughs> I'm Take doing you money. a favor. I'm doing you a favor, Pat. <laughs> Look, I'll even the, take uh, you to Waffle House for, for lunch, okay? Come on. Take the seven grand. <laughs> the, uh, great, great cars. And, and that's true. What you say is true. If you don't ask, and typically, you know, I have an idea in mind of what I want to ask ask, offer someone, I generally talk to them, ask them a bunch of different questions and just get into a general conversation. You kind of get a feel from the conversation with the person whether or not they're going to be irate if you uh, make them an offer, you know, and then I usually preface it so, well, listen, you know, I, I, I really don't want to make an offer. I don't want to upset you or make you mad or anything. That sort of sets the tone and then they can come back and say, well, no, you know, you, you make an offer. Don't make, I'm not, you're not going to make me mad. And then, of course, they've already set the tone for it. When you make your ridiculously low offer, they can't throw you off the property. I guess they could. You know. They've said that no, they're I not mean, going you know. to. You know. No. 
I mean, I don't want to insult you, but guess what? I'm going to insult you. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> money. So. Come on. <laughs> One well, other. You never know unless you Yeah. Know. Well, but we, we kind of had no, a... No, no, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. No, like it's a, it is a good deal. The uh, you didn't like the '66 Ford F100 pickup that I sent you for two grand that uh, you know came with the uh, 292 Y block in it. But you know, I finally figured out why you weren't as into the '66 Ford F100. That's because from the stoop up there in Brooklyn, you had never seen a pickup truck, right? Oh my God! I, I mean, you had to move. You had to move to the Vermont. south to see all these pickup trucks. You know? I know we had no pickup trucks in Brooklyn. None. We had discos, but we didn't exactly. have Exactly. You let us all for life. Don't get along. I never owned a truck. I probably never will. I just have no interest in them. But I, you know, some old pickup truck is pretty cool. No doubt. I've always driven a pickup truck. In fact, I had a 65 Ford F100, first pickup truck that I ever had. So I, I was uh, jaded when I sent to the uh, 66 F100. Um, no. You know what? You know why I have, you know why I like sports cars? Because I like my tuchus as close to the ground as possible. That's what I like. I don't want to be up in the air, tip over, whatever happens, you know. I don't really want to know it's why you want your, I don't really want to know where you want your tuchus anywhere, you know. I mean, TMI, you know. I mean, cause I don't want to know why that's the case, okay? I'm just you know, saying. Yeah. <laughs> you whack into a moose, and then you're in a pickup truck. The moose goes right into your windshield. You're in a sports car. You go underneath the moose. You know what I'm saying? Safe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that. Yeah, I'll be thinking that's about right. that. Um, <laughs> so, I, I know we've um, talked about that. that hey, this F100, I'm going to post that, too. Just for the heck of it, I'm going to put it out there on on Facebook. You know, last week's pick of the week was gone within hours after the show. Really? Someone bought it? Yep, that 60 Caddy. Yep, boom, gone. Out of there. They got a good deal. Good deal. Well, they did get a good deal. That was a great buy. Great cars. So, I'm just going to say, everybody needs to Go out and search for your car. Take take the time, do some research because you know what? You can still buy cheap cars. And what do we say, Richard? Cheap cars are good, cheap tools are bad. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't need get off big bucks to get into the collector car hobby. No. No, you can get in on a great budget. It's like that 66 Ford F100 that Richard had never seen. Two grand asking price. It's solid truck. Got a terrible tailgate on it, but a solid truck. Okay, uh, gentlemen, 30 seconds. Wow, nope, we're wrapping price. it up. We're out of here. Right, get off folks. the couch. Do get something. Show up at Murfreesboro on Friday. With the Oldsmobile National Convention, I'll be there, you know, and uh, come on by, and we'll have a good time, and until then, be safe working on your cars, and enjoy life. And check out Crankshaft at Crankshaft 
magazine because uh, the fourth issue is out, folks. So take care. We'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.